stupid fucked up, wicked high. Don't you ever just wonder why we didn't learn the true history? But now they're about to teach you and me. So we know that we're recording, so we don't have to be like, oh my god, did we not record this? So it's recording. Oh. Yeah. Like, you can see it. It's doing its thing. Like to take yeah, a look? just gotta verify. All right. In case anyone's wondering, this is because Abby forgot to start the recording one time we were recording an episode. That's why we don't have an episode 13. We're just skipping over that, starting skipping anew. Skipping over it. We'll circle back when we yeah. need or, to. Or, I mean, it's a terrible number. We should just ignore it completely. Cool. Okay. All right. Welcome in. Hi. I'm Abby. Welcome back. I'm Liv. And this is Untold History. Untold History. Not your white man's history. I liked that when you said that. Yeah, I thought it was a good description of the pod. Yeah, it is. Because we not only talk about women in history that got left out, I would say we talk about a lot of other things that got left out, like events. Yeah. And- I don't think we've yet to have a topic where I'm like... Oh, yeah, I know about that. Same. I have not. And I think that that's something that's going to continue to evolve because people are always being left out. Even, like, from last year, people are left out, you know? So it's like, yeah, this is it. This is where we're Imagine at. Imagine how much more comfortable we'd be if we were sitting in those chairs we saw at Goodwill today. We did a little thrifting, COVID-safe thrifting, but we did some thrifting, and we found the best retro funky, I would say like definitely 70s. Oh, at least, yeah. But they looked like they were from like a model home foyer. Even better. Almost. A 1970s motel. Not a hotel. Yes, 100%. In the lobby. Yes, in the motel lobby. Yep. They were quite magical. Holy shit. Awesome. Well, are we ready to dive deeper? Yeah, who goes first this week? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm young. Well, yeah, you... How about you hit that first and then... I know I went first last time. Okay, I'll go first. Even though we didn't record it, lol, I did go first. Then we can read mine because my lady is quite wonderful. And it doesn't surprise me if no one has heard of her because I just feel like it's it just is not Here, do you want to hit that first? Yeah, I'll hit that first. Oh, God. Oh, shit. Okay, fun. So I'm doing this woman named Julianne Kepke. Okay. She was 17 when she was the sole survivor of still to this day one of the worst plane crashes in aviation history due to like weather. She was 17 years old. 17 years old. And she survived I feel this like, plane crash. Okay, I feel like I, I don't know the details of the story, but like I might have heard of this one. Or was there like a movie made there about her? There was a movie her? made about her. There was a movie made about her and she wrote her own autobiography. You might have. Let me know if you have seen this movie. It's insane. Okay, so she was born in Lima, Peru in 1954. And she was of German heritage. So both of her parents moved to Peru from Germany and her dad was a biologist so a very famous biologist and her mom was an omnithologist the fuck is that? she studies birds what yep her mom was a bird studier I didn't realize that yeah you could just study birds yeah I guess like a paleontologist or so do you know a little bit where like so Lima's on the coast of, of Peru no okay so when she was 14 her parents moved to 
Panguana, which is about an hour inland into the Amazon rainforest. It sounds like Penguin and Iguana had a baby. Yeah, Penguana. So it was a research station and both her mother and her father got employed to go to this research station to help research the rainforest and like find species and do all that shit. She then got nicknamed a jungle child. And I had to just think maybe a modern-ish day Eliza Thornberry. Like living on the wilderness her family is like out there doing their thing she did not have any traditional schooling for that time that she was at the research facility and all she strictly learned was things about birds floral and fauna so like Mm -hmm. all the plants and stuff in the rainforest was this the girl who got photographed by her mother with all the animals is this that girl no no there just happens to be a lot of wild children that were raised in the yeah so she learned basically survival techniques and like everything she would need to learn about the amazon but no traditional math science like that sort of stuff but unfortunately the peruvian government i don't know why they were sticking their nose in this but they were just like that's not okay she can't do that she needs to come back to real school so her mother and her had to go back to lima for her to finish school and like graduate while her dad worked at the research facility so she graduated on december 23rd 1971 And the following day, her and her mother got on a flight on Christmas Eve to go back to the research facility to celebrate with her father. So this is only like an hour flight. So think about that. Like they only had to be in the air for an hour and they crashed. Because of weather? Yeah. They crashed? Because of weather. Julianne's mom, which sucks, sucks, sucks. Julianne's mom wanted to go back earlier. She like had a flight booked for like the 19th or the 20th of the month. And was like, Julianne, we need to go back earlier. And Julianne was like, no, mom, I want to, like, do my whole, like, walk ceremony graduation. So that's the only reason they stayed and the only reason they took this flight. Because it was the holidays, that was the only flight that was not booked. So they had to take that flight. Even though this airline, Linnaeus Aries Nacionales SA, or Lanza, had the worst reputation. They had several plane crashes that same year. Okay, can I just... If you have one plane crash as an airline, I would think you should shut down. Yeah. No, they didn't. They had two. They had one that crashed taking off on a runway and another one that was like a weather-related situation. So they already had a bad, bad, bad reputation. And the dad, when he heard that they booked with this flight, he was like, you better not fly with them. Like, they are a terrible airline. They have horrible reputations. And the mom and Julian were like... Oh, well, that's all we got, so we need to do it. Like, if we want to celebrate Christmas and do all this shit. Right. So they book it anyway. It's like when your Delta flight gets canceled and they put you on fucking United. No, no, no. Not even United. Sun Country. Like, when they put you on fucking Sun Country and you're like, really? Or Spirit. Oh, my God. Or this is going to be for everybody, if they ever listen in Europe, Ryanair. Or I think it's called, like, Wizz Air. Oh, Wizz Air. I'm pretty sure it's called Wizz Air. Based on the name, I don't think I would fucking fly that. That was like the sketchiest flight I've taken in my entire life. Okay, anyway, so they're 30 minutes into the flight, halfway into the flight, and they run into a terrible, terrible thunderstorm, like one of the worst they've ever seen, and the plane gets struck by lightning. (gasps) Yeah. And when it got struck, Julianne, in her autobiography, says that she's like watching out of her window as the plane is being ripped apart. Like literally, like the wings are falling off and all this stuff is happening. And her mom just grabs her hand and says, that is the end. It's all over. And that's the last thing that she hears her mom saying. And then she gets sucked out of the plane. Her mom does? No, her. She does. So her mom and the other woman, I think it was a woman, but the other two people, she was in the middle seat and the other two people, like her mom and the other person, were not wearing their seatbelts. Everyone got like sucked out and were like free falling two miles to the ground. 
They were two miles above the ground when they... So wait, so she's still in... So, so she's, she's still buckled. So she was the only one that was buckled. And the whole seat got ripped out and she was still in her seat, free falling to the ground. And it said that it was like turning and like helicoptering. And they think that's what slowed her down. Because it was kind of like a helicopter. It glided versus plummeted. Yeah, it glided. Yeah. And then she fell into the canopy, the tree canopies, and they think that also cushioned her fall. And then she blacked out. And she doesn't remember hitting the ground. She doesn't remember the next 20 hours because she wakes up the next day. So now it's Christmas Day. The morning of Christmas Day, she wakes up. Or so she thinks. She knows. Oh, she knows. Oh, okay. So she, her watch at this time is still working. So she's able to look at her watch and be like, holy fuck, it's been like an entire day. Like an entire day has gone by. And she's so weak. She has a broken collarbone, a cut on her calf, a cut on her arm. And what she doesn't realize because she's so like hyped with adrenaline that she also tore her ACL, broke her shin, and, like, sprained or strained her vertebrae. Mm. Yeah. But she doesn't recognize all that because she's just so, like, I fucking survived. I'm alive. Like, yeah, she literally writes that she serious? looked up into the canopy and it was literally like, I survived that. Holy My shit. mom told me I was going to die. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, could not comprehend that she survived all that. She ends up having to, like, lay underneath her seat for shelter while it, like, stormed for another day and a half. So now she's, like, on day, like, three because she was so weak. She couldn't get up. Like, she was just so exhausted. And she's broken, yeah. Yep. And then finally she gets enough energy. So she starts, like, calling and screaming out to people and starts – she was taught when she lived at the research facility to always leave a trail so she could get back to her central location because it's so easy to get lost in the rainforest. So she would leave trails and like trail off and like search the jungle and try but to then find come back people. To the sea. And then come back to the sea. And that was like her home base. And she would do that and like call out and scream and try to find people. And she's like broken this whole time, probably worsening her injuries. Yeah. And also there's no food. So she's living off water from the rain dripping off the leaves and yeah. one bag of candy that she found that another passenger must have had and ended up falling within like a radius of her that she could find it. And she had to ration the candy out and had one piece of candy a day. You've got to wonder, like, I don't know. I just keep wondering, would she have been better off if the seat like stayed? But I guess not because everybody died. Yeah. She's the only one that survived. So strictly because her in the seat was ejected at the mm-hmm. same That's fucking nuts. Isn't that insane? So so she does that for how many days? She's going out. So she's going people. out venturing for like a few more days. Mm-hmm. And at this time, she sees this is where a lot of her training from her family comes in handy because her mom knew so much about birds. She learned about this one bird that only came around when there was a carcass or like something dead. And she saw it. Probably a vulture or a hawk or something. Yeah, it was some like, type it was of like some Yeah, thing. it was some yeah. special rainforest animal that you would only see. Yep, that was a vulture. Oh my and God. she saw it and she like followed it. Followed where it was touching down? Yeah. And she found three passengers that this is so fucked up. They fell so fast. That they like exploded when they hit the earth. No, they were three feet in the ground in the rainforest ground because that's how fast they were going that's well, yeah they, they must have going. been going yeah so uh, they were in their seats too 
But for some reason, the seat didn't do what her seat did, and it impacted the ground at such force that all she could see was their feet. Well, you, yeah, I think you said like, the fastest yeah. they, like, let you, depending on how far you drop, because, it's, you know, you can do, like, different levels, I guess, when yeah. you skydive, they let you go up to, like, like he got to, to I want to say, like, 94 miles an hour before oh, yeah. they pull the fucking and thing. And think about and that. Then they pull you're that still so you're... high up the air. Yeah. But then nothing's stopping you, and yeah. you're just going, like, fucking 200 miles an hour yeah. and plummeting into the But air. the good thing to think about is a lot of people if you're plummeting to your death your heart gives out before you no hit the shit ground. yeah really yeah because your heart you're like your adrenaline you're so scared yeah, that you die yeah that you like literally die before you hit the ground or at least black out. yeah or at least black out. oh yeah. so my, she so- finds this and she's like i'm fucked everyone else must be dead i must be the only one out here and i need to find help this is getting to be a big issue and she could hear during this whole time rescue planes flying but the first oh. couple days she was so weak she couldn't do anything and then finally when she had enough strength she had no way to signal what them. she's gonna say what is she gonna do like build a fire yeah. in the fucking rainforest yeah so she literally just had to sit there and listen to them fly and fly and fly and fly until they just didn't come back oh yeah my yeah because they just probably assumed everyone was dead they assumed everyone was dead so she stayed strong and she literally thought back to her parents teaching her about this thing that if you ever get lost in the forest or the jungle or anywhere you need to find running water running water and you need to follow it upstream. I can survive. Yep. See? You need to find running water and you need to follow it upstream because people oh, I didn't build know that. upstream. Upstream. Okay. Because you build civilization on waterways and eventually you will run into somebody or something. Yeah. Something. A fisherman. Someone traveling, someone hunting, fishing, whatever. You will find something. So. She goes and finds this tiny well and she starts following it upstream. Mind you, she has one shoe and she literally... And a broken leg and a broken collarbone and cuts all over... Yep, and at this point, the cut on her arm is infected. So it's like excruciatingly painful. It is infected. (sighs) She can die from that. And you don't know what kind of bacteria is in the Amazon. Oh, she starts getting maggots in her arm. Yep. So at this point, she's like full-fledged, like, I'm fucking screwed. So she starts wading in this water up this stream, waterway, mind you, with piranhas, crocodiles, poisonous snakes. Probably those little fish that swim up your hoo-ha. Yeah, poisonous frogs, like everything. And with one shoe, she is walking up this stream for days. Like she would walk until she couldn't walk anymore and then she would nap on the shore. I don't understand how she's walking with a broken shin, though. She was literally so... Maybe it was just one of those cracks where it was like... Yeah. But even that is like, honestly, painful. Doctors are saying that she was in such like survival mode that she didn't even, that she didn't even register half of her injuries. So she didn't even like splint her leg or try to like relocate. No, she literally was like, I need to get energy. I need to get out of here. I need to find somebody. So it was just a cycle of like resting, energy burst, resting, energy burst. Yeah. And she probably got maybe like a little bit of sugar from the candy, but like that's what her body is like living. Well, and by the end of it, she ran out of candy. So for the last like two days, she had. No food. Well, did she not feel like she knew enough to like eat things that she found? No, she did. Everything she found was poisonous. So thank God she knew and, and she tried to catch these frogs, but she wasn't fast enough. And then later realized that the frogs were poisonous. So she was like, thank fucking God thank I didn't God. catch these frogs. Yeah. Also, to make matters worse, she doesn't have her glasses. She literally 
wears glasses and lost her glasses in the crash. I mean, like blind enough to need them. Blind enough to yeah, not see clearly enough. Yeah. So she's literally like, I would have been okay, but honestly, I'm so happy I got LASIK because now if I get into like a situation, I'm not fucked. Your eyes do adapt, and like my eye doctor straight up said to me like, because my prescription's so low. He's like, if you just didn't wear your glasses, like your your eyes eyes would would adjust. Like you would be okay. You're not so blind to the point of like, which I'm sure that's what she was it was like blurry but she was so like i gotta get out of here i gotta find safety but also what i wanted to say was like it probably was helpful in terms of like managing her fear because what you can't see you can't be scared of like you know i would almost want to like take my glasses off at that point so i didn't see like a panther in the fucking woods or like a monkey and she was just like just be lying just like like, gotta get out of anything just keep that's fuck yeah so finally on the 10th day so it's like into january now into the new year yes it's into the new year so she finds a boat on the river she sees a boat tied up on the river and at first she thinks that it's a mirage and she's like it's hot i'm malnourished and dehydrated like this can't be real like i'm hallucinating oh a mirage yeah Yeah, like she like literally is like this is bullshit i'm goner this is done walks all the way up to it can touch it and she's like holy fucking shit and then she sees this path in the jungle like from the boat into the middle of the jungle and she's like yeah like yeah follows it all the way up there and finds a cabin but unfortunately the cabin is like super dusty like people haven't been there in months like you can tell that it's locked up no go like people aren't around and she's like well shit I'll reconvene here and then maybe I'll just like keep going back and forth to the boat and hopefully I'll find somebody or like take the boat downstream and like see what did the house have any sort of supplies for her um, or food no it literally was like a shelter a shack yeah. yeah a shack with gasoline and like very minimal other things I think for fires and that sort of thing but another thing she learned from her parents she took gasoline and had to pour it on her cuts and wounds <gasps> to sterilize it. Does that work? Is there yeah. alcohol in gasoline? Yeah. That's or what something? you're supposed to do. On her maggot-filled arm, and literally had to pick maggots out of her arm. Oh, I'm sure because she had to clear it out first and then oh, clean it. Yeah, <gasps> there was over thirty of them, and she literally had to like pick. Okay, this is just a logistical question. Like, how is that happening? Is it because flies are like landing on her and laying eggs in the wound? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Oh, trigger warning. Sorry, guys. Yeah. So gross. Yeah. So you have to think about that. And within those 20 hours, enough flies had landed on her. Right. For maggots to like Well, yeah, it doesn't take long. No. Yeah. So she cleans herself up, takes a little nappy nap, rests up. Takes a little nappy nap. And no one's coming. No one's coming. And finally, she did like passes out from pure exhaustion in the shack in the shack and miraculously people come and stop there and like these three logger men who usually never come to that shack just so happen to be like coming to that shack that day because they needed to like do something yeah and found her and they were like from a native village was just, yeah. and they like woke her up and at first thought she was this like spirit because they believed that these blonde like water spirits and she was a little blonde girl yeah and she was like a tiny blonde child so they were like oh my god this water spirit like this water god like what is happening and thankfully she was fluent in spanish so she was able shut like, the fuck yeah they like okay with 
them. Yep, they woke her up and she was able to be like, I fucking survived a plane crash. I need a hospital. Like, you need to bring me somewhere. And they were able to, like, load her up on the boat, brought her back to their village. The village people took care of her. I was just going to say, did they heal her? Well, and then there was a local pilot that heard about what happened and he's like, there's a hospital that I can fly you to. Like, let me fly you to this hospital. So then they fly her to this hospital and she gets out and literally fucking survives the whole ordeal. And she, this is the even crazier. If you'd ever ride a plane again, I don't think I Well, listen to this. She recovers and then joins the search team and goes back out to the rainforest to the jungle and shows them where she fell and shows them the crash site and helps them search around and get the remains. Oh, get all the... I I was like, why? Yeah. Because that had to be, what, a couple months for her recovery? Oh, no. January 12th, 1972. She got in the plane crash on December 24th, 1971. So she literally, like, is like, yo, tape up my leg, wrap this shit up, I'm going back out there. Let's go. Yeah. And on the 12th of January, they find her mother's remains, along with the other 90 people that have died. So a total of 91 people died, and she was the sole survivor. It was like eight crew members and 86, or six crew members and 80-some people. Yeah. To this day... People are still very skeptical about how she survived because her- Doesn't make sense. Yeah, because it's just crazy how she was the only one that survived that crash. Dude, it's just like, how can- This is a a terrible example and I apologize, but it's like, how can some people smoke cigarettes until the day that they die at at 96 years old? It's literally genetics, okay? That's what it comes down to. How resilient are you? How much can you take? How little food and water you need? But you also have to think about that she was not only lucky, but yeah, she She like had the Yes. Exactly. Because so the sad thing is, is that they find out that out of the so there are ninety one fatalities total, and then they later found out that as many as fourteen other people survived the initial crash, but died because they but died because they either had injuries that prohibited them from moving or they didn't have the knowledge or they just thought that how did they figure that out when they found the remains they were able to like guesstimate times of death oh yeah they were able to guesstimate that like okay these people like survived this is early 70s right yeah they had that technology to guesstimate the time of death so oh my god yeah crazy so she ends up going to germany and following in the family business and becomes a specialized person that studies bats they make a movie about her when i fell from the sky or no i don't know what the movie's called but her book is called when i fell from the sky but the crazy thing this is the thing that is so freaking nuts there was a director he was a very famous director werner herzog and he was scheduled to be on that flight and something got messed up with his reservation and then he ended up not going on that flight so he would have been one of the other people that died in that crash Mm -hmm. or survived oh yeah but then he found out that she survived that crash and he was supposed to be on it and he came to her and offered to make a movie about her so then he like directed her movie super cool so she's still alive today and then i just have to say their other really shitty thing this airline lost their license after this crash because it came out that the entire crew knew about the storm (gasps) and knew how bad it was going to be but decided to stay on course because of the pressure from the airline to meet the holiday schedule so instead of landing and saving everyone sounds like all these dumbasses that are assembling for christmas anyway yep they decided to continue on and then every single person died except for one Everyone found out about that, and then Lanza lost their license, and I don't know if they're operating anymore. I don't think so, but yeah. So yeah, they knew about the storm. Wow. Yeah. So that is Julian. That's so many fucking people. 
mm-hmm. dying at one because of and something. What a terrible way to fucking die. Well, and the sad thing because of something that was avoidable. They could have landed. They could have turned around. They could have not even taken off if they knew that it's an hour fucking flight. Wait out the storm. You know right. what I mean? It's like really right. Isn't that crazy? But she's still alive today. Where does she live? She, I think she's back in Peru. She's a librarian at some historical center. She ever like got married and had kids? She is married. I don't know if she had kids, but she is married because she has a different last name now. Oh. So I think she ended up getting married and like living her life and like doing her. Yeah, she has a like a doctorate and stuff and she's a super genius and helped a bunch of people in the rainforest. I would make them give me a doctorate too if I fell out of the fucking sky. And survived. And survived. Yeah. So the fact that there's not an I survived about this. Yeah, I survived. Hello, I survived producers. Please do that. Like, she's insane. That's insane. Yeah. So that's my girl. Hello, untold high story fans, friends, and lovers. We've got a special treat for you this week. A little advertisement for a very similar podcast. It's called Lady History Pod, run by three beautiful women. Check out their podcast if it interests you, which we really think it will. This modern world of science and invention is of particular interest to women. I'm Lexi. I'm Haley. And I'm Alana. And we're covering the good, the bad, and the ugly of women's history. Tune in to Lady History every Thursday to hear about different ladies across history and cultures, from astronauts to zoologists. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lady History Pod, and find us wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, cool. Well, tell me about yours. Okay, so have you ever heard of Marie Van Britten Brown? No. Well, I did. Not going to lie. You did tell me her name this morning. Well, that's that's just because we have to verify that we're not doing the same person. I always really panic about that. But before this morning, I've never heard of her before in my life. So please tell me about her. I got all this information from an organization called Black Past. Oh. Oh, shoot. I should say my sources, shouldn't I? Oh. My sources are BBC. And weird history on YouTube and Wikipedia. Just mush that in somewhere. Okay, go. <laughs> so yeah, blackpast.org. I got all this information from there. Literally all of it because they had the best version of events. Yeah. So yeah, we honestly don't know a ton about her early life or about well, wait, her what did siblings. She, do? she was the inventor of the first home security system. What? She's an African-American Wait, woman. Wait, that was a woman that invented security systems? Uh, a black woman. I really shouldn't be surprised. A you black know, woman. like, she's probably like, fuck y'all coming yeah. into my house. Well, so here we go. So she is also credited with the invention of the first closed circuit television. What? Yeah. How have we never learned about her? Exactly. All of this information is related, obviously, a little, you know, a little bit. Okay, so not much about her back history. We don't know that much. All we know is that she was born in Queens, New York, on October 22nd, 19. 19- 22. So we know that the patent for her invention of the home security system was filed in 1966. So she was 30... 22 to 66? Yeah. She's 44. Thank you. Math. We're good at it. We're good at it. So it later influenced modern home security systems that are still used today, obviously. Brown's invention was inspired by the security risk that her home faced in the neighborhood where she lived. So she lived in the Queensboro mm-hmm. in a neighborhood called Jamaica, which it's not a good neighborhood. There. It's not that it's not a good neighborhood. It's full of uh, like commercial and retail buildings. Oh. It's a middle class, heavily black populated. I mean, at yeah. least it was at this time. But the crime rates were so high because the police response time was so low because they didn't give a fuck. She was never the victim personally. Um, Her and her husband, Albert, they worked jobs. So she was a nurse. 
and I believe he was an electronics technician. Okay. Sad. So I'm sure they witnessed like friends and family getting robbed and attacked. Well, they both have really weird hours. Like sometimes she works like. Oh, scary. Oh, I'm sure she gets off at like 3 a.m. Exactly. She's witnessed people being broken into during it. Not like it's so fucked up. So she is just really inspired. And she's always, I did read a little bio that said she had always had this wanting to like change the world in a positive way. Cute. So that's kind of inspiring. So here we go. As a result, Brown looked for ways to increase her personal level of security. Like she wanted to secure her home first almost as like a trial run. She knew she needed to create a system that would allow her to know who was outside of her home and then subsequently contact relevant authorities as quickly as possible to help bridge that gap of the police response time because it was that fucking bad. Brown's security system was the basis for the two-way communication and surveillance features that we know of today. Wait, pause. So in, oh, I guess this is in the 60s. So there's like telephones and shit. I'm just saying, how in the world did this woman figure out how to like- I'm gonna show ping the police when someone opened a window. Well, right. These were all the moving parts she needed to figure out. She needed to figure out how she could see people outside the door, how she could capture video surveillance of them outside the door, how she could speak to them outside the door. Huge development in terms of like, you know, the buzzers we all have today. That technology, she wanted to be able to talk to them. But the major thing was that component of the alarm system to notify the police sooner. I think they were not coming because they were fucking obviously racist and like not giving a fuck. But also, yeah, they weren't being notified in time. Well, and the distrust for everything, you know, it was just a terrible dynamic that people didn't think they'd be helpful. So her original invention consisted of peepholes, a camera. People on the door? Yep, a camera monitors, and a two-way microphone. The final element was that alarm button that could be pressed to notify the police. So So that's how she would do it. If she saw something, there was a button instead of just automatic. I mean, at that time, that technology was kind of all that was well, there. Well, right. I mean, so. You, well, so remember when you're calling, you talk to an operator to connect your call first. So it's almost like you go through three levels of doors before. And then you have to wait. And then you, oh, yeah. So then this, that makes sense. And the hospital only has one. I mean, yeah, they had like, you know, 911 operators still did have boards with multiple lines, but not nearly as but many as they can have today. But think about those jobs where it was like, operator, where, who can I connect you to mm-hmm. or whatever? And And the little plug, plug, plugs. Yeah. Damn. So I kind of like looked at the photo and described what's on there for you. So there were three peepholes and they were placed on the front door at different height levels. Okay. So the top one was for tall people. The bottom one was for children. And then the one in the middle was usually for like women or average height people. Okay. Men, women, and children, you just get your own people. Isn't that weird though? I've never seen that. And I don't know. I was trying to think about I'm like, gonna be movies. honest. It makes sense to have a child sized peephole. Because if your kid is home and someone knocks on the door and tries to say, exactly. Hey, it's so and so. Yep. What if they're not tall enough to see them? A really vintage design of like a front door was you know how it had that like long window in the middle yeah. cut out? I think that was kind of inspired by this. Yeah. But then now you have to think about that this is nice because the kids can look without alarming that anyone's home. You know, they could just pretend that they're not home. Exactly. So then picture a doorway, right? So as we have our three peoples, at the opposite side of the door is a camera that's attached with the ability to slide up and down to allow the person to see through each peephole. That's cool. Yeah. The camera picked up images that would reflect on the monitor via a wireless system. So, like, it reminded me of, like, those marble things that we have in our doors today to look through. Yeah. It it was like that, but essentially a camera that could capture what each peephole was seeing. And then it would show you. Yes, on a monitor that could be placed anywhere in the house, depending on how much wiring you had. 
obviously. Then there was a voice component to enable Brown to speak to the person outside. Little microphone system. That's uh, so genius. If the person was perceived to be an intruder, the police would be notified with the push of a button. This is all in her like vision. Okay, this is what she's drawing up. This isn't exactly how it turned out. But if the person was a welcome or expected visitor, the door could also be unlocked via remote control. So there'd either there's two buttons side by side almost. One was for police, call the police, intruder. One was for unlock, open, it's safe to go. Okay? So this is her idea. This is her drawing. Yeah. Obviously, her husband helps her develop the final designs. They co-file for a patent before they start their initial... I believe it was before, right? You have to have the patent before you start development? Yes. Yeah. No one steals your idea. Right. On August 1966, under the title, Home Security System Utilizing Television Surveillance. That's the whole title of the patent. Their application was approved. It took three years for them to approve it. It was in December of 1969. They, they applied in 66, and in 69 it wow. was approved. Brown's invention gained her well-deserved recognition. They sold different parts of the patent to different companies who were developing their own. So just like today, we have, like, Simply Safe. We have Oh, I see. Ring. So then what we they have... did is they patented the idea and the technology and exactly. then had other companies buy the technology from them to create it. Yep. Which makes sense, because think of all the security systems we have nowadays. Exactly. Like, there's so many. Exactly. I mean, if you have... Like, I think the most inclusive one, and I made a note of this, was that I could think of that I've heard of would be Simply Safe because you get surveillance and they have Nest cameras, which are internal in your house that record everything. Yeah. I don't know if those are necessarily for intruders. Yeah, but all the other ones that I can think of are the typical ones that are like on your wall. Yes. Yeah. My grandparents had one of those growing up. But that was definitely in the 80s. You know, when you come in the door, you have like 30 seconds to disarm the alarm. Otherwise, the cops are automatically called. I thought, I always thought those were a little extra, to be honest. Like. When you open the door and it's like, wee, 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 Right, wee, what if I'm wee, wasted wee. and, like, forget the code or something? I think shit. it's nicer to have, like, a Simply Safe or a doorbell so or something. Yeah. Brown's invention laid the wow. foundation for later security systems, like we just talked about, multiple ones, that make uses of features such as, all of these are included underneath her patent, video monitoring, remote-controlled door locks, push-button alarm triggers, instant messaging to security providers and police communications, and two-way voice communication. Wow. All of those things are included Okay, let's also talk about not only those private companies, but think of all, like, the buildings that use security. She's making millions of dollars off of this patent. 100%. And probably saving a lot of people. Her invention is obviously still primarily used, I said, by small businesses, small offices, single-family homes, and multi-unit dwellings, such as apartments and condominiums. And like you said, the most often one is Ring, or one of those. So the Browns patent was later referenced by 13 other inventors, including some as recently as 2013. So other people who have taken this idea, ran with it, tweaked it, what have you. Because now what you're seeing is like, like we just talked about, all these different types of security systems. Yeah. So like Ring is really just like front door surveillance. But they had to take that patent from exactly. her. All these different parts have to accredit her patent when they file for their own, which is still, like you said, tons of money. That's um, insane! Yeah, Brown was the mother of, she did give birth to two children, one of whom, Norma Brown, went on to follow her mother's footsteps, and she became a nurse and a smaller time inventor. I couldn't find any record of anything that she had invented, or even when she was born. There was, like, there's not a ton about her personal life. 
And I think that's on purpose. Like, she didn't want a lot of people to know. If you think about she's creating a security system for privacy. So you have to think about that. She was probably a really private lady. And she was like, eh, you don't need to know that about Dude, I didn't even make that connection. She was probably just like a super private, like, don't get in my business type of lady. Yeah. And people kept getting in her business. But so she lived in that house in Queens uh, until she was 76 years old. She died in 99. Oh, my God. Of, yeah. See, and that's something where it's like, we use that every day. And so. we never learn any. I didn't know anything about that. I don't even give security systems that much of a second thought, right. which I should because they're everywhere. Well, I have now just because I've been having issues in my building with the mail. Yeah. But, Damn. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we had some good peeps. That was really cool. And we got it done in under an hour. Look at us go. Getting better. Look how quick that is, guys. A quick 45 minute. Just long enough for you to run around the block and take a shower, maybe. I don't know. Who runs? No, this is like when you're getting ready for your day, like picking out your outfit. Oh, yeah. There you go. Commuting to work. Yeah. Tell us a song. Perfect. Tell someone about us. Yay. Okay. Well, cute. Well, until next time. Until next time. I love you. We got cheers. Oh, cheers. I forgot. Sorry. You can't forget. Here we go. Cheers. Che- oh, that was, that was terrible. Bad. One more. One more. Ah! Okay. Goodbye. See our corresponding Instagram posts for any additional resources, or feel free to reach out to our direct email at untoldhistory, spelled H-I-G-H-S-T-O-R-Y, at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Like, subscribe, and follow us on Instagram.